This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So hello and welcome to Heart and Hand. Uh, joining me this week are two of my very favourite guests. First of all, the uh, Silver Fox himself, Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening, David. And uh, joining us from the Time Capsule Show on our uh, on our network. And uh, he's, he's, he's starting to get a few a few first team games as well. It's Martin Ramsey. Good evening. Evening, boys. So, gentlemen, uh, let's just head straight to the match on Saturday. Rangers taking on Dundee for the third time this season. Honours had been even up to this point. Uh, Rangers ran out 4-0 winners, but Martin, I don't think that told the whole story. No, um, Dundee aren't a great side, let's be very honest. Especially up front, they created... Uh, some worrying moments um, and if we're thinking ahead to the weekend they become even more worrying um, the boy Moose up front for example seemed to do all the hard work a lot of good movement, a lot of good control but just couldn't finish um, and yeah it wasn't a 4-0 in, in any way I don't think Hoggy. other than the fact that we scored 4 goals and they didn't score any yeah. other than the fact yeah. that it was but I know what you mean I mean, it was it was I guess literally a four nil game, but not not really. Um, Dundee spent what I thought was a, about a good half hour dominating the ball in the first half. Uh, all they did, predictably, was stick three men in the middle of the park against their two. Uh, sometimes aided and abetted their two by Kenny Miller uh, and for Josh Windass. Uh, some thought bizarrely, including me. Um, and they played pretty triangles around us and, and, and dominated the ball. Um, it felt as if at times in the first half it was only a matter of time before Dundee scored. And I think that's what the, the pivotal moment was in 35 minutes. Musa turns Ross McCrory inside out and fires, aims for the top corner, fires it over the bar. 
Rangers got the park and scored what was a very good goal from Kenny Miller um, with, with, with Murphy cutting in as he likes to do across the entire 18-yard line. Miller had an awful lot to do still and, and fair play to him. He stuck at the bottom corner superbly well. But up to that point, you know, you, 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 none of us, I don't think, would have been surprised David had Dundee taking the lead. Kenny Miller announcement before the match that he was starting, I think surprised a lot of people. I don't think many of us had predicted it in the lead up to the match. And he came in for uh, he came in for, for the injured Josh Windass. Uh, not a huge vote of confidence there for Jason Cummings, Martin, or am I reading too much into it? Um, maybe a wee bit. I mean, we talked before the game after we got over the shock of the, the, the announcement. It's just clear that Morelos and Cummings aren't a thing. They are not going to work together, or Murphy doesn't seem to think they can work together unless it's Air United or, or, or a kind of lower level team. Um, they don't seem to have that connection. They don't seem to have that chemistry. We can all play amateur psychologists. They don't seem to like each other. The body language doesn't appear to be that great either. Um, so he's gone for something else that, that probably did work better, to be fair. Um, and it's not Kenny Miller keeping Cummings out of the team. It's it's Morelis that keeps Cummings out of the team. That's a fair point. And I also think that they haven't really looked as though they're a great partnership yet. The counter-argument to that, of course, is that they haven't had a lot of minutes together. And that, that is fair enough. But... Again, I, I don't think that Graham Murray is, is seeing them combine brilliantly in training and then deciding, well, yeah, but I'm not going to play them on Saturday. I don't think that that's what happened. And Kenny Miller, to be fair, came in and played reasonably well. I mean, he wasn't fantastic. He wasn't awful. He played well. It was a very Kenny Miller performance. He got his goal. He missed a significantly easier chance uh, in the second half when he really, I mean, he's presented with basically an open goal, but he does that Kenny finish where he sort of stabs into the ball uh, and instead of hitting it straight, it sort of goes into the turf a bit and then veers off in a direction that, that completely defies physics. Um, only he could, could do that. But it's you know it's not news, is it, exactly, Hoggy, to say that Kenny Miller, far better when he doesn't have time to think about it. Kenny Miller's always been Kenny Miller, um, all the way back to when he... He had hair and he looked like a 14-year-old when he signed for us. Um, when, when when Miller doesn't really have time to think, he scores. When 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 he does have time to think, he doesn't. And uh, I actually thought, bizarrely, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday's chances were almost the other way around. Because his, his, his goal, he takes the ball in from uh, Murphy and he takes a couple of touches before he strikes it into the corner. It was I thought that, that was a very un-Kenny Miller-like finish. Um, whereas the ball rebounds out to him uh, with, with the with the open goal, and as you say, he stabs at it. So it was almost rolls reversed, but a very Kenny Miller performance. Lots of huff, lots of puff. Uh, he got a goal. He contributed a little. I'd probably argue that you know defensively he con- contributed way more than Josh Windass. That's not. Um, that's not exactly you know difficult. I think to be fair, so did you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not really Josh's strong suit, is it? And that's before you know before anybody goes, oh, you know, you just don't like Josh Windass. I mean, no, we're aware of his qualities, absolutely. But you, nobody could turn around and say that he puts in a shift defensively. It, it I, just doesn't I, I, happen. He's, he's he's obviously not asked to. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not put on yeah. him to do so. So no, whereas Kenny Miller will, of course, go back in. But that does lead me on to my next point. Start this for you, Martin. Even with the more. Uh, shall we say, more willing runner in Kenny Miller. 
Uh, I thought that still, again, in midfield where we came up against a three, our two struggled and struggled to, to really dominate the midfield, especially in the half an hour that, that Hoggy describes. Now, Greg Docherty had a very poor game. He was subbed after 60 minutes after giving the ball away yet again. And that's, you know, don't people read into it that, I, that I'm criticising Greg Docherty or whatever. I think he's a really good player. I think he'll be a great signing for us. However, he had a poor game. There's, there's no doubt about that. And part, part of it, I think, is the fact that with the two, it just doesn't it doesn't seem to work. Later on in the match, we shoved Graham Dorans forward, and he looked significantly better than he than he did for my money when he was playing that holding role. And at the moment, I am a bit concerned, Martin, at this regular giving up of the midfield uh, with the. You can only assume with the thought being, well, yes, but it gives us more attacking threat and therefore we'll outscore them and I'm not sure our defence is good enough to go into a match with that sort of opinion It's Groundhog Day um, but it's not just Groundhog Day for Murty in the past few months this is the last two seasons three managers it's the same conversation I want to play this formation yeah but Mark, but Pedro, but Graham you don't have the players to play it yeah but we must play this formation um, if I have to play a different formation, that means taking someone out. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> literally the fucking point of your job is to manage the resources to the to the optimum level. I mean, that, that, that's it. We we don't have a number ten that can do that role. I like four two three one as a concept, but we don't have a player like that. We probably can't afford the player like that. In all in all honesty, um, and we have these conundrums all over the place. Could win. This isn't a Josh Windows bashing thing. Could he play off a striker? Yeah, he could. He's clearly got ability. So what does that leave us with? 4-4-2, four, four, you've still got the two in the middle. It's not enough. It's also not 1987. Um, could you go 3-5-2? That means you can plug your midfield with Dorans, McCrory, Doherty, or Hull, or Goss, or whoever you, you want in there. You can play Windass off a of Morelos or whatever. Brilliant. But then you lose the jewels of our season, which is this combination between full-back and attacking forward. Um, so we can't have it all, and it takes a manager to say, OK, for this particular game or these particular games, put that fucking bib on and, and sit down because you're not playing in this particular game. But that's been a problem. In different ways, all three managers were wedded to, Pedro maybe less so, but, but Warburton and, and, and Murray seem just completely wedded to the system, and that's it. Completely ignoring that a very key part of it we, we just don't have. Um we should have enough to play between the middle. I would have hoped at home to Dundee, though. Um, and you're right, Docherty just did a bad game. Uh, suggestions he wasn't particularly well. Um, Doran's looked like he was blown out his arse again early on, but remarkably, the, the, the more the game went on, the fitter he looked and the more um, able he looked. And I, I to totally agree. Like last week, I think, when he goes forward, he's, he's far more um, impressive. Therefore... It seems to me an absolute no-brainer for Sunday. He's got to be the third man in that midfield and you play with McCrory or Doherty or Goss or whatever other two you want in there. Well, I mean, Goss, you and I were sitting together at the game and we were uh, speculating that he must have had relations with a, a family member of Graham Murty and it went badly wrong because he seems to have just been booted into touch. But then, of course, he came on um, with possibly a, a view to next weekend. I don't know. Uh, I've no idea. I've yeah. no idea. I think what I said to you at the game was the Miller thing. 
and then Halliday getting called for. I mean, we, we, it's not anything against those guys in particular. Last summer we had this meeting. Yes. You know, it was kind of decided that that squad wasn't good enough for the top division. Thanks for all your work you did in getting us back up there. Only a handful of you should remain. You know, we, we, I thought we cleared this up. I thought the memos had been sent out, and still, in the latter parts of this season. Kenny Miller starting and when we're in trouble in midfield we're calling for Andy Halliday it, that's, I think that's the frustration and there's been a, a lot of money obviously wasted this summer which is why we're in this, this situation I will say that Andy Halliday played well but no, then, he was fine but then I fine, immediately we know, saw we know that's not the answer yeah but, well that's it then I immediately saw people afterwards saying oh should we pitch him in next week no no we shouldn't um, how much proof do you need that, that we shouldn't do that but that's what's going to happen, unfortunately, when you have a squad that is as lopsided as ours is. And you're right, we've we've had to go back to these guys time after time, and it's a testament to their to their sticking power. These guys that that you know the championship squad that they are still there and and still have proved to be more reliable at least than the other signings. Still not the level that we need, but but more reliable. Uh, Hoggy, the the whole midfield can under. I think Martin summed it up really well, but. I feel a wee bit for the likes of Dorans and Doherty when we go into this match and we know what's going to happen. And I'm sure they must know what's going to happen, which is that they have to work extremely hard just to kind of stand still because there's always that extra man in the middle for the opposition. It becomes very difficult. Now, look, don't get me wrong, Martin had a very good point. He nailed it, I think, with the, yes, but we get so much happening on the flanks and we do and it's great. But then we cost ourselves, I think, in the centre of midfield so often and we give away chances. And you're absolutely right for the, the one that you named earlier, the, the, the Musa one, where he's completely done all the hard work and that's came through driving straight down the middle at us. And time and time again, Dundee got joy from doing just that. How many times do we need to talk about it? I mean, before, I think, as Martin said... Uh, Mark Warburton or Pedro Cuxinho or Graham Murty gets it into their fucking head. Um, the players that we have just now are not good enough to build formations around. Now, I get it. Typically at a football club, you would select your formation, your preferred, uh, preferred formation, and you would build your team around that. Murty's inherited, a fucking, let's face it, a car crash. And he's made some decent signings, or Mark Allen's made some decent signings, and he's trying to solidify this formation and pick the players to play it. And time and time and time again, what feels like every bastard week, we have this discussion. And our, you know, should should Doherty and Dorans be good enough to dominate a midfield against a Dundee three? Yes. Were they? No, because they had off days, and that's going to happen as footballers. But, you know, we, we we actually looked at our most solid, and I'm not going to suggest that Halliday and Goss and Co are the answer, but we looked at our most solid when we had Halliday and Goss in there with Dorns just in front of them. And lo and behold, Dorns looked like a far superior footballer when playing in his natural position. Um, I am, as you know, David, I'm... I tending to stand to get quite animated about this because it's costing us as fans time and time again it's costing the team points it's costing us frustration and we're being disappointed almost you know on a, on a fairly regular basis because of it don't know about you guys I am fucking sick of Rangers not learning lessons 
and I'll hark back to my old pal Mark Warburton, who would say it and not do it. Pedro maybe didn't say it, certainly didn't do it. Graham Murty says it and, you know, goes on about the talk is cheap and all this kind of stuff. And this probably sounds harsh having won 4 0. But this is with one eye on next weekend. And if we if we genuinely haven't learnt those lessons going into, into next weekend, Graham Murty deserves to be booted up fucking Edison Drive when we inevitably get horsed. Alfredo Morelos had an interesting afternoon. Uh, I think first half wasn't really involved much, to be fair, wasn't wasn't an awful lot of service to him. Second half, he, he had a very interesting time of it where he, he got a goal, he set up another one with uh, some, some really excellent kind of on the ball think or you know, thinking to get on the ball and winning the ball back, setting up a tap in. Uh, then he got booked for diving uh, in, in a decision so bad that it, it, it made a mild mannered manager. Um, although, did you did you hear what Graham Marty said about that? Yes, it, it, yes, it, it, nearly but it was made, ridiculous. Yes, it nearly, but he doesn't want to say anymore. It nearly made me react in a way a Rangers manager shouldn't react. And I just thought this is such the equivalent of a, a guy who's sitting going, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. To my MP and the lead singer from Echo and the Bunny Men, uh, it was you know he, he's just not a raging type, is he, Graham Martin? He just doesn't have that in his in his uh, in his locker. But he, 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 he certainly fits the stiff upper lip uh, gent very well. Yes, yeah, very much. You can imagine him um, just being very put out with this sort of thing and uh, tutting loudly uh, at it. But uh, it was a, a awful decision. Uh, which we'll come to in a minute. But Martin, Morelos is... Uh, he's four seasons in one day at the moment with him. You're going to get good things. You're going to get very bad things. There was also a... He shushed the Copeland after his goal, which is never a good look. And... Uh, he is a conundrum. He, he seems a troubled young man. A lot going on in his head. Um big move, a lot of change um, clearly frustrated how many of the podders have said umpteen times, he seems to let things, miss chances for example, miss chances in big games really get to his head, really get him down um, it's all out there for everyone to see You know, he's not, he, I, I don't imagine he'd be a good poker player <laughs> um, but Christ did he need a two yard tap in on, on Saturday because we, we, we were saying look, he's just going through the motions he's running about a bit he's chasing down he's not really doing much uh, he knows he's he's away in the summer um, getting to that end at the stage of the season where unless you're absolutely pushing for uh, a title or whatever we tend to run that wee bit slower um, and then he gets a goal and he seems a lot more animated and it's the team it's the team in a nutshell sometimes because that first half looked like, from an attacking perspective, it was all a kind of blur focus. It was and then yeah. once that was sharpened, the second half, a first goal, then a second, all of a sudden, all these combinations that we saw three or four weeks ago, especially down the sides, um, that have been missing, now that we know for a couple of bad results, now they're back again, there's a lot of first touch stuff, the passes are weighted better uh, You know, everyone just plays with that freedom and, and fluency again um, because finally right we're not going to lose it's we're not going to lose at home it's that fragile confidence that we've spoken oh. about with them that they, they go up and down so quickly uh, that at 2-0 it was like somebody had flicked a switch and that that's why when people say it wasn't a 4-0 game it wasn't until it was 2-0 if that makes sense I know it's a bit of a 
that's a, 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 a strange statement, but um, once they got 2-0 up and thought, right, that's us, we've won this game, they started playing some excellent stuff. And as you say, it was quicker, it was sharper, it was much more incisive. They were trusting a teammate. And uh, you said to me on Saturday and it's spot on, you can tell the mental state of our team by the weight of their passes. Because when they are in their shells, which we see, unfortunately, uh, far too often, they are very timid and the passes look like that and they're under hit or... You know, they're just, oh, I wasn't wanting to put enough on it. Whereas when they were 2 0 up, they start trusting their teammates again. They start giving it to a teammate who might have a man on them and with the confidence that that teammate will be able to deal with it, which they then can. And in the end, you know, we were completely running over the top of Dundee. It was chance after chance. Uh, but the problem with a side is, uh, Hoggy, that it seems to be one bump, though, will reset that. Uh, one kind of knock will reset that as we saw that the Celtic match led to a a two and a half week hangover yeah and look you know some some of these players are young some of these players wouldn't get in Rangers sides of the past Um, some of them might get into the kind of early 80s side right enough Uh, but on on the likes of Morelos he, he he is probably the the, the the best example of fragile confidence that's given this given given the shot in the arm, um, because when he gets the goal and it's it's a wonderful cross incidentally from Candace, uh for the goal it was one of those Candias crosses that 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 uh, I think what's the start he, he does two of those every game yeah uh, Morello scores and then after that he's chasing them down. He's winning the ball off the last man for, for the fourth. He's, Martin, to your point around weight of pass, the weight of pass for Graham Dorans to play in Candace for the fourth goal is superb. It's just the right thing at the right time. It was just it, And it was just night and day from the first half performance where Greg Doherty, for me, probably sums up the, the, the first half performance. The amount of short passes in that timid fashion was unbelievable. No surprise when he got hooked, but it, it was just that kind of Jekyll and Hyde performance. And I do worry, I do worry that, that, that we get turned over again for formation or setup or whatever reasons and we regress once more going into the going into the last five games in, in the in the top flight. Um it's it's a conundrum. You know, at the end of the day, a big believer in play the hand that you've got and and at the minute we know these guys ain't good enough in the long run I don't think that's a I don't think that's a controversial statement some of them are some of them won't be Um, we we know their limitations so play the hand that you're dealt if that means packing the midfield and perhaps creating less chances to win the battle so be it you know if it means we get a nil-nil so be it but, you know, don't go in setting yourself up to fail. Because if we fail, confidence gets knocked. And if confidence gets, gets knocked, we've seen what happens time and time again all through the season. They're a team that needs a, a safety net in order to, to play the way they can. Um, and that safety net being a two-goal lead sometimes. Um, now, that's clearly not always possible. Um, but looking forward, that safety net is two or three players don't care what state a game is. They've got enough belief in themselves to be able to perform and express themselves regardless. And the manager, 
who's very much of the same mind. And if that ever happened, if the money was there to make that happen, you'll see a difference in that, or the majority of that group that's, that's there just now, because there's clearly talent there. But just by looking around the pitch going, all right, they play for us. We're fine. We've got that safety net. The safety net then becomes a group of of pros instead of having to get to a point in the game that they can finally just relax, especially at home. I think that we don't have... We talk a lot about leadership, and it's one of these hard-to-define qualities. Leadership isn't shouting and bawling, I think, all the time. Leadership is about, as you say, being able to just get on calmly with your game and inspire those around you because they can look at them and say, it's okay, you know, I just need to look at him as an example. He knows what he's doing. And we don't have enough of those players. We've got players who play singularly, and by that I mean a guy like Alves, who's very professional, who goes out and he does his job and he comes in and doesn't necessarily look like the result is entirely a weekend ruiner for him. And I think we need more of the players who do that. But that's... You know, not to, to, to suggest that we just sign guys who run about shouting a lot, because that's not what it is either. It's about guys who can deliver a level of performance that's consistent, who don't get knocked off track by a disappointment, who are able to, to rally the rest of the team and to, to get their, their kind of solipsism put away and, and stop any navel-gazing, which this team, I think, at times are very, very prone to and occasionally feeling sorry for themselves and the, the Kilmarnock performance a couple of weeks ago was the the, the absolute uh, perfect example of that, of a team that just went out there and felt a bit sorry for themselves and then when it happened it went a bit Kevin the teenager that afternoon. Yeah, now, do, sorry, do, do you know, one, one of the best examples I can use of, of leadership in football, um, David, would be Graeme Souness. Now, not suggesting for a second we have a Graeme Souness because we bloody well don't, but leadership in the park's about Putting folk in the balls when they need it. Um, it's about arm round the shoulder, metaphorically, when they need it. It's about being the manager on the park, if you like. It's also about helping your teammates on the park. There, there's a there, there, there was the old story about Graham Souness playing for Scotland when Arthur Alberson made a made a mistake, and straight away Graham Souness is the ball's back in play, and Souness is right beside him, effectively giving him a short pass, taking the short pass back, just making sure he's getting the touches of the ball that's finding the man to up his confidence again. We have no one like that just now that's willing just to say, I'll do it. I'm the guy on the park. Probably on Saturday with a, an exception of Kenny Miller, but we know that Kenny Miller's not that leader. I think he's too selfish to be that leader. Um, that's the key element or the first key element that we are absolutely missing. Two refereeing decisions which uh, drew a lot of attention. The the first one being uh, a tackle by Bruno Alves uh, not long after he came on where he took down the uh, the encroaching Dundee player. A very professional foul, incidentally, and uh, I'm not going to be upset at him for that. It needed doing. Uh, and he got a yellow card, which I thought at the game was fair enough. People immediately afterwards told me it was in front of me. It was potentially a red card having seen it I think you could go either way on it I think you could it, it would depend how you want to assess it um, did we get away with one there Martin or was it a case of uh, the ref was right to err on the side of caution 
it's an orange, isn't it? Yeah. It's when you get it, I don't think you can complain too much. Um, and uh, Faref is trying to just keep the game flowing, will maybe just show a wee bit more leniency. Um, but you're right, regardless, the, the tackle had to be made. And again, that stems from the lack of midfield, to believe totally. the point for a minute. Right, just bombed right at us. Uh, and Dundee continually did that. And as you said, they're not a great side and that. Is very frustrating that it happened, but you know Alves, as I say, very professional player. He did what a professional player should do, uh, and took the guy out, and the game was was sort of on the knife edge. Hoggy, later on, game's done by this stage, three nothing. Uh, Alfredo Morelos streaks through, rounds the keeper, uh, two of them collide, and the referee books him uh, for it, claiming it was a dive towards free kick to Dundee. Rangers at the time were absolutely raging. Uh, I'm a great one for players' reaction, and Morelos was going nuts. Uh, as was James Tavernier, who went as captain and remonstrated with the referee, uh, I think, trying to put the point across. Now, the referee isn't going to change his mind, but the referee indicates that there's no contact. That clearly didn't happen, uh, as the Dundee keeper had to go off injured as his nose was smashed. So there clearly was contact of some sort, you could argue that Morelos was looking for it, but for the referee to claim that he saw there was no contact, I found ludicrous. Um, so on the, is it a penalty? Um, I think yes. Whether Morelos is looking for it or not, I don't think is the issue. The keeper, with his face, takes Morelos out. The keeper, there's got to be a culpability on the goalkeeper's side. Um, and uh, incidentally, I hope it gets better soon and all the rest of it. But there's got to be culpability there that the keeper comes rushing out and goes sliding along a wet turf at Morelos trying to get the ball. He misses the ball. and he t- So it doesn't matter whether Morelos is looking for it or not. He, 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 he takes his legs, albeit with his face. So it's a penalty kick. For the referee then to say... Um, it's not a it's not a penalty and it's a booking because there was no contact and therefore it's a dive is just pathetic. Utterly startlingly pathetic. Because all he's got to do is look at the goalkeeper who is spitting teeth and blood at this point. If I, you know, at that point, what does he think the keeper's actually has he has he headed the ground? You know, so you said there um, he's not going to change his mind. Do you know what? To not look like a dick, he fucking well should change his mind. It's a, you know, it, what what he could do is say, actually, that's not a dive. I got that wrong, but it's not a penalty because you were looking for it. People might have accepted that, but it's almost that kind of double whammy of it's not a penalty. It is. It's a booking for diving without contact. That's ludicrous. It's back to that old. You know, we talked about it. I think last week. The double whammy of the, 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 the kind of double dual wrong decision is just nuts. Now, Bertie did his stiff upper lip. It's ridiculous, but I'm not going to say any more routine. Not only is it ridiculous, it is fucking pathetic. And I, I hope, and I haven't read the news, so forgive me, Rangers can, can and should bloody well appeal this because you can appeal for bookings for simulation. I don't know if they have. I believe they have. I believe they have. Um, I know that both uh, Mark Allen and Graham Murty approached the referee after the match. Uh, they weren't happy with the the explanation given and decided that they would appeal it. 
Martin, Hoggy touched on a point there that I do think is quite interesting, which is I think that as fans there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the rules, which is furthered by pundits. I've heard uh, Chris Sutton say this quite a lot because he's a fucking idiot who doesn't know the rules of the sport. Um, He will say things like, well, if the ref hasn't given a foul there, why isn't he booking him? Whereas, of course, it's not automatic. You don't have to do that. There can be contact and it not be a foul. Um, It doesn't mean it's a booking. Uh, I get the impression our referees either have decided not to kind of bother with that rule or they feel under so much pressure that on that incident, I think it is legit for the ref not to give a penalty, by the way. I I thought it was a penalty, but I, I can see why a ref wouldn't give it. It's a perfectly understandable decision to say it's not a penalty, but it's not a booking. And I wonder if it's a case of is the referee aware of that or is he influenced by the fact of, oh, they'll all be expecting me to give one or the other here. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, we're kind of jumping into someone's mind a wee bit, but uh, I need to look at it again just to, to see the the reaction time. But from, from memory, it was pretty quick. Um, and maybe that's the problem, that he's he's jumped to that conclusion. I was sitting beside you, David. I thought he dived from his body shape and everything else. Clearly, that's not the case. But if that's what he's thought, and immediately decided that's a dive, I'm going to do that, instead of going over to speak to Morelos and, and noticing that a guy's nose was in about three places, and, okay, that's clearly not the situation. Just take a few seconds. Yeah, walk you know? up to it. Don't sprint. There's no need for a sprint. The game's 3-0. It's done. Uh, you're yeah. absolutely right. The best referees in that instance are walking up, talking to their linesman to see if he's got anything to offer, making their mind up. And as he's done that, as you say, he, he will notice the fact that this poor cunt's nose is spread right along the width of the Copeland and go, well, clearly there was contact there, and then make his decision. But you're right, he's already he's sprinting up with a card in his hand. And that is, I think, indicative of a referee that either doesn't have the confidence in his ability to do that or just feels he's got to jump in to kind of retain control. I think it's just a natural reaction, um, which, again, is a a professional feeling. You need to be cool. Um, And, again, the game's not exactly in the balance. It's not been a dirty game that you've got God and and you keep the, the powder keg kind of dry here. He's just... He's just reacted, and you're absolutely right. There, there was a uh, an opportunity there to assess the situation and see that the guy had three noses and say, right, we'll, we'll, we'll be absolutely fine here. Um, and probably come to the conclusion, David, that he's maybe played for it. He's put the leg in. Um, it's neither, and we, we just move on with the game. Um, the point, I guess, um, that's of more interest to me is why... When he does, he must see it. I mean, clearly, there's there's a lot of attention about the keeper to say, okay, I'll, I'll change my mind, I'll rescind that. Um, but referees don't do that, and I don't know if it's the type of person who wants to be a referee is not the type of person to ever back down. Sorry, Cam. No, I agree. <laughs> when you said there, it's a natural reaction. I did want to kind of jump in and say, a natural reaction to do you want to be a referee is no. Uh, so I'm not quite sure we can trust the type of people who are willing to do so uh, in terms of their natural reaction Rangers were absolutely fizzing about it Hoggy and uh, an appeal did seem to be the sensible the, the, the sensible way to go on it because 
these are the kind of decisions that do frustrate people because I think that sorry to say, well, we want to clamp down on diving. I get it, but you've got to be consistent in the way you apply it rather than just looking for cheap headlines. We've had some dives this season. You know, let, let's every team has players that have dived. I'm thinking probably one of the most obvious ones was um, sorry for all you Josh Windass lovers, but Josh Windass at Pataudry. Which was a dive and a booking all day long. If our players are diving and and they're caught, I want you know book them fine. But you know the key question the referee has to ask himself at that point is: Rangers are three 0 up. Morelos is by the goalkeeper. The ball's not racing out of play. He gets the ball. He rolls it into the net. Why would he go down? Yeah. You know, and it's it's that lack of thought. Coupled with the speed of, I've got to make a decision, which ju- is just a nonsense. And you know, it, it's I'm I'm glad we've appealed because it's those types of bookings when you're so close to the end of the season that end up ruling your players out of matches, which again is just an utter nonsense. So, assuming that, that we have appealed, it'll be very very interesting to see what the decision is from the SFA. So Rangers run out, as I say, 4-0 winners, Martin. Uh, an uneven display, um, I think, is, is a fair way to put it. Are we in any way confident that we will see a three-man midfield or will we basically see the team that started at the weekend with maybe, if another defender gets fit, i.e. Bates, McCrory, maybe going into midfield? I think you've got to presume that Miller will play. What's he done to suggest that he um, is flexible um, for the, the the task at hand? Um, and he, he's on his way out, so why not stick to your guns? And I believe in this formation, and I, I don't expect changes. It's a, it's a bit depressing, Hoggy. Um, we've seen we've seen from Graham Murty um, a likable guy. Uh, and I think we would all appreciate his efforts of stepping in twice and, I think, being treated pretty badly by the board, uh, it has to be said. Uh, but what we've seen from him is a guy that feels a bit one-trick pony-ish, uh, a guy that either won't change or probably more so can't change. Uh, it's so early in his kind of managerial infancy. I fully expect two in the midfield with a effectively a front four, if you like. Um and it's and I think um the the the, the, the outcome of that therefore has a a certain depressing inevita- inevitability about it. Of course I hope that's not the case. I hope beyond hope. Come Saturday night I'll probably be battle fever will be on, but as that time of recording it, it, it feels a little depressing. Sorry David, just when the Kenny Miller news broke up on Saturday after the for fuck's sakes blah 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 one of the other first things that we said was he's playing next Sunday yeah. and that that was to, to run that out which means he's not going to, whether he, he does move McCrory into midfield potentially um, I, I don't know but then who, who drops out does Doherty drop out on the, the basis of a couple of kind of poor shows but the, the, the structure's not going to change I don't think yeah, and it's going to be Miller doing that role that 
and it's, it's really the structure that, that we would need to change, I think, to get the benefit of it. But no, I, I think it'll be the same. I think it'll be four two three one, and it'll just depend on whether Josh Van Dash makes it or not as to whether uh, Kenny Miller plays. Uh, I think, but time will tell. We've been, uh, I've been wrong before. It doesn't happen often, but I do acknowledge when it does. Now, season ticket renewal letters have gone out the season ticket renewal if you're like me and you're on the auto renewal is already done uh, a, a wonderful thing for lazy bastards like me but uh, with it comes Dave King's statement on uh, how things are going the, the, the cover letter type thing and I wanted to pick out this passage that I found quite interesting However, on the managerial front, I emphasise that the board fully recognises the need for sustained stability in this area of the club. Whoever is appointed must be able to meet the unique challenges of managing Rangers and ensuring immediate success. It is a priority that we commence next season with the best appointment we can make and that we move forward rapidly. Rangers is synonymous with winning and I want to repeat my commitment that neither I nor any of the other directors will consider our work complete until Rangers has been restored to the top of our game. Right, first things first, uh, it's not Rangers has and uh, Rangers is, it's have and are, uh, Dave. Don't do this Americanization thing, I don't like it. But secondly, more importantly, that, Martin, to me, uh, suggests that uh, it's not definitely isn't going to be Graham Murty. Am I reading it wrongly? Or I think, is that a, an accurate conclusion to draw? That it's not definitely going to be Graham Murty. I mean, if it was going to be Graham Murty, I think that would be announced by now. I think he's being kind to him and, and polite, given that Murty has now twice um, walked into a job that I don't think he feels he's entirely comfortable doing. Um, and it's 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 honouring that uh, that service, I guess, by by just kind of framing it in a way that says, "Don't worry, there'll be someone else in next summer." Um, yeah, I I read the first sentence and immediately shat my pants uh, when it says, uh, on the managerial front, I emphasise that the board fully recognise the need for sustained stability in this area of the club. At that point, I kind of took a pause and went, oh, Jesus. And then I read the rest and concurred. Yeah, it, it, it sounds as if Bertie's on his way. Um uh, I did have a chuckle. I did have a chuckle when it talks about uh, it's a priority in moving forward rapidly. Um, this this board and is not really synonymous with uh, moving rapidly when it comes to managers. Let's face it. Um, but I, I I genuinely genuinely hope this is the case. You know, let let's let's try and be the best Rangers we can possibly be at this point in time. That's all I ask for. I think that. There have been rumours for a few weeks, and I think that it's been speculated quite widely by us on the site and whatnot that, that Graham Murray is aware that he's not getting the job full-time. And I think that, again, as, as Martin said earlier, you can then start to look for signs of that and you, you, you run the risk of confirmation bias. So it could be a case, and I'd be the first to admit it, that I'm looking at that statement with a kind of presupposed outcome in my mind and going, well, yeah, look, it supports my claim. Something we see in the world quite a lot uh, these days. But a lot of rumours circulating Ibrox on Saturday, social media has mentioned it, about Frank De Boer uh, coming in as manager. And that one's been a bit up and down because he was obviously mentioned and you know will be mentioned as an ex-player and a big name and uh, currently available. 
how would you feel if it was someone like Frank De Boer, Martin, or is that a case of saying he's a project manager? That's not right for what we need. Um, uh, mixed emotions. Uh, clearly, there's something there. You, you you don't do what he did in Holland without that. There is a lot of gravitas there as well. Go back to what I said earlier about the current squad just needing a few figures to to absolutely believe in. Um, I'm wee bit nervous um, about him because of his his last two uh, appointments. I think I've read a few people saying the same thing. However, what, what are exactly we nervous about? Is there a manager out there that can win us the league next year uh, that we can afford and include the board in that? I I don't think so. If we're being completely honest, so is this a longer term project, or if you want to be kind of Tommy Burns obsessed, is it about stopping Celtic getting to a number, which for many people it is, right? If that's it, then fine. That means you are talking about a three-year project. You are talking about a project manager. And unless he starts the way he started at Crystal Palace with like seven defeats out of seven and no goals, which was clearly untenable, um, whomever comes in this summer, the board have to show a lot more bottle in terms of that longer vision. And when people lose their shit because we lose games that Rangers teams have always lost, by the way, um, they need to stand by, or otherwise we just never, never get any traction. It's just continuing to start and stop. Um, so if it really is a project manager, then that fits the deal. Then we're, we're looking to try and get back there in a reasonable amount of time. That isn't one season, so we need to be prepared for that. Um, it would be exciting, but I, my my big fear would be that he might not hit the ground absolutely running because. He wanted to do things his way, and that would be again another change, another managerial philosophy, outlook, whatever you want to call it. That that really starts with nine wins out of nine, you know. Hoggy, I'm not sure I see a manager that can come in and and just immediately get success. I, I I'm not sure I see one. I think if you're going to bring in a manager with the gap being what it is, then he's going to need a minimum two years at least to 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 get the club to where we want it to be. So. From that point of view, I understand where Martin's coming from, but I worry that what colours this, because nothing's done in a vacuum, I wonder what colours this is the fact that in an ideal world you hire a new manager and you say, well, he's got two years to put everything together, but it's all coloured by the last few seasons and added into the fact that we you know, did hire somebody who we were told was a project manager we'd be allowed to build, but was so obviously a terrible decision that the board were compelled to act. Uh, I, I don't think that De Boer would have quite that millstone in terms of the way Kashina did because when Kashina arrived, nobody wanted him. They weren't that impressed by him. When he did badly, he wasn't going to have any defenders. Whereas at least with De Boer, there is at least a track record to cling on to uh, to suggest, well, OK, if we give him time, he can do something. There wasn't that with Pedro. No, there's not. And I think uh, with, with with Pedro... We'll go back to thoroughly likable chap. So we all wanted to, we all wanted him to succeed, but it was absolutely evident that he wasn't going to. Um, you know, he was fifth in the Qatari league for God's sake. So uh, at least, if it's a De Boer, um, look, in any any appointment's going to come with a, with an element of risk, um, and different risk at that. 
if if we went back to the went back to the Walter Smith well again age seventy, that comes with a different type of risk. Yeah, very very short termism. If it doesn't work, what do we do next? Um, do, do, does he have to have a successor in place straight away? So on, so on. It's a very different level of risk to uh, De Boer, who's had success at, at Ajax and very good success. Um, went to what I consider to be a bit of a, a train wreck in Inter Milan and was a train wreck. Went to Crystal Palace and it was the, the, the type of team that he wants to build ain't going to work at a Crystal Palace who are going to be in a dogfight. I think that's quite evident. So therefore, the risk is he's doing it his way and will not bend and will not flex. Um, what I will say about a successor, I would like to think that if Rangers have made the decision that Graham Murty is not the man for the job, and we all think that's the case, that Rangers are sounding out people now that we've got a short list now and we've potentially made the decision now so that the likes of a Frank De Boer already knows and therefore behind the scenes he's working on his targets and so on and so on. Why really, you know, irrespective of who the manager's going to be, David, the, the, my biggest fear in all this, apart from we get to September and say, oh shit, turns out it was Graham Murray all the time, uh, is that we get to the European qualifiers with nobody in place, with no signings in place, and we just we, we try and limp through them like we did last season, because that, that's not going to do anyone any favours. Martin, where I think is an interesting juxtaposition is in the fact that for a number of Rangers fans, uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that, for, for a number of Rangers fans, they don't fancy the Boer for some of the reasons that we've mentioned earlier. And yet, the reality of the situation is that given where we play, our current financial situation, etc., if Rangers did get Frank De Boer, it would be a coup. And it's interesting and a little kind of strange and revealing that when you look at, that for some fans they would be, I don't want him look at his, his last two jobs kind of thing. Whereas if you were out with Scotland and, and not a Rangers supporter, you would look at that and say, oh, they'd be lucky to get him. It, it's an odd situation. Yeah, it doesn't compute. I think you can have um, you can have reservations, but if you look at our recent track record of managers in the last three that we've had, four, if you include McCoyst, this is a different fucking sport. Yeah. So I'm not. That's just that's just Rangers. It's it's it, we we have difficulty, um, especially those of our age, um, equating. Uh, just really adjusting to even where Scottish football is, never mind where, where Rangers are. Um, I've had people dismiss the idea, not even even possible or Rafa Benitez, is, but just dismissing that is uh, no way I wouldn't touch him with basketball. This is the stage we're at. We're dismissing people that won Champions Leagues and, and La Ligas and, and, and everything else. Falling football is not good for your health. <laughs> No, I think you might be on to something there. And speaking of which, um, uh, a club not renowned for having a good effect on people's health are uh, the unfortunates across the city who, uh, we don't like to talk about them particularly, but they can win the league in their next fixture. And that has led to some speculation that when the fixtures come out, the old firm match will not be the first one because Celtic can win the title and their manager, um, 
Brendan Rodgers. Um, he suggested that that was an absolute sin for Celtic. It was a real shame that they can't uh, do that and it's a sad reflection on Scottish society that uh, they can't do this and any other league in the world would be desperate to try and arrange something like this, but here we are shying away from it. Hoggy, could some cunt send him the memo telling him why we can't have last day title deciders between the old firm? Um, better still, why don't we why don't we gift them a Patreon subscription to Heart and Hand and send them the link to the watch along game of May nineteen ninety nine when those daft cunts were throwing themselves off the top tier. Uh, that's why Brendan Saint Brendan of the Clyde Tunnel, we can't have old firm title deciders. Um, try looking at your own fucking backyard first. This is why we can't have nice things, Martin, um, because of their behaviour that day. I mean, £78 worth of coins thrown onto the park at the referee and, and, and Rangers players, one of which, of course, infamously hit Hugh Dallas. Hugh Dallas's house, this gets downplayed considerably, was uh, then smashed up that evening by a Celtic supporter who was allowed by the club to keep his season ticket, incidentally. Um, it's the most Celtic thing ever, isn't it? The fact that because of their poor behaviour, something can't take place, and they then feel put out about that. Yeah, you can send them the link to the Ten Capsule episode as well. Other shows are available. Um, <laughs> I, he he knows fine well. He doesn't need educated on it. He's playing. He's just stoking the fires, having a bit of fun. But in the knowledge that not one journalist, not one member of the press corps at a, 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 a conference is going to say, well, you know why, don't you? And turn the tables back. You know, it's fine well the, the water he's swimming in. And he's he's just splashing around. He's just having fun. Yeah, it's a bit surprised, though, that you think he can tell the difference when he allegedly doesn't know the difference between a penis and a vagina. But that's uh, uh, that's another thing to, to discuss another day. Okie doke then, folks. That's pretty much it from us here at Heart and Hand this week. Uh, just to let you know, if you do want to hear more from the boys uh, involved and myself, there are loads and loads of shows, at least three a day, go up on the Heart and Hand Patreon site, including Martin's rather excellent time capsule, which uh, this week, Martin, uh, a Sooner special. Sooner special dropped yesterday on the anniversary of the 8th of April um, and his arrival, and my one of my guests was Hoggy, the other one was Jeff Holmes, the, the Rangers author, who uh, was actually there, um, leaving Carol Smiley behind and going to meet um, Sooner on his, his first day. Um, and tomorrow we'll be looking at the 2002 Scottish Cup final um, and the same outcome on Sunday would be lovely Hoggy you're a middle aged man and a well known sex pest uh, Carol Smiley must must rock your world even today I think yes oh I, I mean absolutely <laughs> who are we kidding <laughs> quite frankly uh, but you can visit the site and get that it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand tons of new content One ninety nine per month please come along and have a look okie doke then folks thank you very very much for listening I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles to thank my guests today Mr Martin Ramsey thanks guys pleasure as always Mr Ian Hogg uh, likewise pleasure David and uh, and good job Martin Remember, you can support the show by uh, purchasing a T-shirt uh, with the catchy slogan "Buy a fucking T-shirt" uh, by visiting heartandhand.co.uk. If you don't want to do that, that's absolutely fine. Uh, I, I don't steal blue pounds; I only beg for them. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Cheers. Bye.
Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.